On this episode of Mastering MS, Nick, we have the first person with MS to play in the NBA. Chris Wright joins us on this episode. And welcome to this episode of Mastering MS. I'm Mike Marillo. I'm a news anchor and reporter at WTOP, and I have MS. And I'm Nick Irons. I'm a fitness professional, and my dad has MS. And on today's episode, we have the first person to ever play in the NBA with multiple sclerosis. Yep, he's Chris Wright. And Chris, thank you so much for being here on this episode of Mastering MS. And you've done, you've had so many big feats on the basketball court. And in addition to that, you're sharing your story and the power of that as well. Thank you for sharing your story and thanks for being here. Welcome. So thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate I appreciate you guys and uh, being able to share my story. I think it's really important to, for especially people with MS and anyone for that matter to share your story. You know, what I mean, Try, don't be unseen, be seen, <laughs> you know, because it, you never know how many people that can impact um, in terms of. When I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed in my rookie year, my my rookie year as a professional. I graduated from Georgetown in 2011, and that was a year that there, ironically, coincidentally, there was an NBA lockout. And um, so because of that, there was no NBA after the draft, which is June 25th, meaning everything shuts down. All communication, all things stop. So at that time, which is crazy for me, I'm a basketball junkie. And the one year that I come out and, and the NBA is my dream, there's no NBA. It was It was unreal. But um, I went, so that led me to go overseas in Turkey. And I was diagnosed in March that year, the next year uh, in Turkey. Take us back to your diagnosis. You know, we've all shared, our, your, Nick's dad has shared his story. I've shared my story on this podcast. You know, what's your story when it comes to getting that diagnosis? So I was playing, it was a normal day. And the way things are set up in uh, Turkey and European basketball, usually have two practices a day, maybe three times a week. And then other uh, two days, you're going to have one practice a day. And it was the day we had two days and I'm young <laughs> and trying to really trying to, you know, plant my flag in terms of who I am as a player. So I'm overworking. I'm overworking. I'm, I mean, we have two days, but I'm there hour before that practice getting work in. I'm there hour after getting treatment and, and doing what I have to do and doing the same thing in the afternoon, you know? So this was a normal day. It was part of my normal routine. And I was actually starting to play really well, starting to get accustomed to the European game. Um, you know, things were looking up. You go through rough stretches when you try to figure out how to play in a new world. It's <laughs> it's crazy, you know. So I started as a rookie. I, I struggled, and then I started playing really well. And um, it was a normal day. I came in and shoot before practice. And as I'm shooting and shooting and shooting, next thing you know, I catch a pass, and the ball hits my hand, and my hand just, like, vibrates. <laughs> and it just, like, kind of ricochets, kind of feels like it just ricochets all through my arm. I dribble the ball all the time, boom, and I feel it. Once it hits my hand again, I feel it ricocheting, like, stronger, you know? So I'm like, oh, maybe I hit a funny bone or something, you know? You're not thinking nothing. So I shoot the ball, whatever, and I catch the ball again, and boom, it hits this hand, and it just, the sensation goes through my entire body, you know, to the point, and it happened like that. It happened really quick. It was in within 30 seconds, and I couldn't feel anything, you know? Something like this is crazy. I can catch the ball. I can still dribble, but I can't feel anything. I can't see. I can't feel myself walking. I can't. You know, it, it was really alarming. And um, so I told the coach, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, you're a rookie, so they think you're lying and trying to get out of anything. They're gonna give you a hard time. But I was like, really, I can't 
I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I can't feel nothing. You if you hit me right now, I promise you I can't feel it, you know. And he said, Okay, well, you know, go see the trainer. So I went to see the trainer, but then they sent me to a doctor. And the doctor, uh, you know, can you feel this? Can you feel this? Do the thing on your knee and all this. I'm like, no, no, no. And this remind you, I'm in Edina, Turkey, which is four hours. Uh, I can't remember which location. Four hours away from Istanbul, which is a major, you know, which is unbelievable city in its own right. Um, and a major city, everyone. It's a major hub. And so I'm four hours. So I'm I'm not in a major city. I'm in a small town. I'm in a really small town. And so it's broken English talking to the doctor. It's not like he's speaking perfect English and all that. And he said, okay, we'll just go home and rest. I said, okay, no problem. Anyway, I go home and go rest. And the the next morning when I went, uh, get up in the morning, I get up and try to go to the bathroom. And as soon as I get up, I collapse to the floor, uh, collapse directly to the floor. I can't lift my arms. I can't lift my legs, you know, so then after that, I had to call one of my teammates to come help me, to put me in the chair, you know, and things like that nature. I actually was able to crawl to the door and all that and um, call someone to help me. And then this time I came, I went back to the doctor, obviously, because I don't know what's going on. I'm not really in pain, though. That's That was a weird part. I'm not really in pain. But it was like I I just couldn't move. I couldn't. My body wouldn't react. Um, so I went back to the doctor in the city I was in, in Edina, Turkey. And they want me put me through the same type of test, and they said, "Okay, you can go back to practice." And I'm like, "Dude, I can't even walk. What you mean go to practice?" So, you know, they say, "Yeah, you ready? You you good? There's no no problems. You can go back to practice. We have practice in one hour, no problem." So, me being frustrated and confused, I said some choice words that any language can understand, you know. <laughs> and you know, sometimes you have to do what you got to do to get people's attention. Because I knew something was off. So after that, they, okay, okay, we're we going to send you to a specialist. And they sent me to a specialist in Istanbul, Turkey. And that's when I was clinically diagnosed um, with, with multiple sclerosis. And so what happened right after that? Did you, uh, you were so, able to start playing again? Or no, 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 no. After no. diagnosis? No, no, no. So right now, I can't walk. I can't really do anything on my own. You know, I'm, on a, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't really function on my I actually ended up living with my teammate, and his wife, who's a, a, a Turkish family that really, you know, acted as my mom and dad until I was able to come home. But at that time, when I got diagnosed, I remember the doctor came in. He said, yeah, you have uh, multiple, you have MS. That's what he said. No, he said, you have SM. And I'm like, SM? <laughs> What's that? You know what I'm saying? Social media? <laughs> so, and he's like, uh, uh, sclerosis multiplier. I'm like, what? I don't even know what that is. I've never heard of this. You know, I've never heard. It's not a lot at this, you know, and you guys know there wasn't a lot of information. Now it's publicized everywhere. And it's it, honest, honestly, it's like a if you were diagnosed, there's so much an advancement of medicine that it's, it's obviously you can live with it now. It's not where it was, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, even 20 years ago. It's completely different, you know, in terms of the advancement of medicine. And so at that time, this was this is 2012. There wasn't, they were about to start <laughs> coming with the new medicine, but it wasn't yet. So if you go and read, so I was like, all right, let me figure out what this is. You know, so I go on the internet and read. That's the worst thing you do. I go Google multiple sclerosis. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> 
And I was like, what? What are you talking? You know, I just, it didn't make sense to me. It did, I, I couldn't mathematically. I'm, I'm very analytical on things and it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. I like to pride myself on being a critical thinker and I'm detail oriented with how I think. And I just didn't think that that made sense that you now telling me that my career is over. My life is basically going to, my trajectory is going to completely change. Um, I don't know how I'll be able, you know, my mobility and all these things could possibly change. Uh, so I was confused. And on my ride back to the city I was, I was living in, playing in, there was an article put out on me with my quotations. And I never spoke to anybody, my quotations and everything talk about how my career is over, how devastated I am, how hurt I am by this. And it was just, it was really negative and saying, so I was, and this is during the time from going to Istanbul to my city, there was no Wi-Fi. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I'm in the car. So for four hours, no really Wi-Fi. So when I get back to my house, my phone is going crazy because I'm getting all these messages from social media. People are tagging me in this, you know, saying this and the third. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, wish you the best. And I'm like, so automatically I had to be on a defense and had to speak, you know, because I was never even able to kind of fully grasp what was going on. As soon as I read Google, the next thing I did was come home and I saw all these messages about my career over. So at that time, I had to speak up. I never had a chance to sit back because I had to like, you know, I had to I had to fight back, you know, because I felt what I wanted to do in my life is play basketball. That's what I always want to do. And I'm not going to let this one moment automatically wipe everything away without really giving it some serious thought and, and understanding of what's going on. And um, so that's how I was diagnosed. And that's how I figured out. It's so unfair to you that you didn't get the chance to actually, you know, come to grips with it yourself. And then uh, it sounds like, too, you're fighting off anger and a lot of, lot of emotions that don't work well for us when we have MS and all that's thrown on your plate. Yeah, it was it was a, it was an interesting time. Um, it was a very confusing time more than anything. And I, and I didn't cry or anything like that. And I'm sure that uh, because of the geography of MS and where the incidence is higher, that type of thing. I'm sure Turkey had a really low incidence of MS. So you're probably dealing with a whole bunch of people who had no idea what you were talking about in the first place. Well, in Istanbul, there was a guy that was like, you know, head neurologist type, you know, super, super, super sharp um, and elite. But just in general, not even in Turkey, there was in, in the world, there was not a lot of information on multiple sclerosis at this time. People weren't talking about it. You know, people weren't. Now you see commercials about it and stuff. But at that time, there, nobody was speaking on it. Nobody. So I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> you know, now so it was a, it, about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. It wasn't a podcast. You guys weren't doing this at that time. You know, so it wasn't it was nothing of any type of uh, anything I could relate to positively. And then on top of that, there was no athletes that ever did it either. So it's a, it's a whole I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What's going on here? You know, why? I was just running, jumping, dunking, hanging out, doing everything that a 22-year-old would do as a professional athlete. So you're diagnosed. Yeah. You decide that. Uh, so you got the diagnosis. You figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about uh, whether you did you make a decision that you were going to play again or what? How did that yeah. come about? Yeah, it was never a decision that I wasn't going to play again. I never, that never crossed my mind at all. You know, I mean, I knew what scientists had said. I knew what doctors had said. Um, I knew that nobody had ever done it before. Um, 
But I, I, I just didn't agree with what what science said. I didn't agree with what people were saying. I, I there's no other way for me to put it. I just said I'm going to play professional basketball. I'm going to get back to this sooner than later, and um, that's what I did. And so, how tell it? Walk us through the steps to get back to going from uh, in a wheelchair or newly diagnosed to being back on the basketball court. It was steroid injections for about two and a half, three weeks while I was in, in Turkey to now, because then I started experiencing pain. And, um, you know, I was getting a whole bunch of just random sensations. As you guys know, if you, you know, when you have an episode and it was lingering. Um, so I was doing that to numb the pain to the point where I can actually start walking again um, because I was dragging my feet a lot of the time and I, my hands would be shaking and stuff like that. It was, uh, so I didn't have, so it took me about three weeks to kind of get some normalcy back to the point where I can be okay to walk slowly to get on a plane. So then I, I got back on a plane and I saw about eight doctors, seven, eight doctors, which all said no. And they were asking, telling me all different type of things and spinal taps and this, that, and the third. And I was like, man, I'm no, go to, <laughs> let's go to the next, you know? Yeah. Um, it just, again, I'm not, you know, I, I agree with their their opinions on same things, and especially knowing the history of this, and knowing the etymology of this, especially in sports, there's never been done. So as a doctor, you have to be conservative. You you can't, oh yeah, you know. So the typical doctor will do that, um, or the average doctor, not the typical doctor. The average doctor will do that because that's what science says, and this is what they're basing their facts off. So you know, I saw that, but also it didn't always add up to me. It always didn't add up. So. I kept going to the next person until maybe I could find some way to figure out how I can do what I want to do. And I was fortunate enough to come across Dr. Heidi Creighton, and she's been my doctor ever since. And I think that's an important thing. I'm glad you brought that up because for me, too, I went through a couple doctors before I found the one I wanted. Nothing against the doctors I had before, no. but there are different opinions, right? And and you got to find one that you're comfortable with. Yeah, it's different strokes for different folks, you know. And I knew my situation was going to be different because it was I was – I was unalike to anybody. There was no alikes for me. You know, there was nobody that I can go to and say, "Hey, how did you do this? How did you get back on the court? How, how, you know, how did you compete at a high level?" There was nothing. So it was all trial and error for me. And um, I just, I knew that I found the right doctor. When she was like, "You want to hoop? Well, let's hoop." Nice. You know? nice. And she was like, "We're gonna get you back on the court. Why not?" You know. And I was like, "Oh, okay." You know. So <laughs> let's let's figure this out. And after talking with my family, my parents. And my wife, um, we decided that that was the best route for me to go. So I'm saying all this to say, and I put my family in there because the village that you have is just as important as any doctor's diagnosis, because that's what's going to keep you and sustain you mentally and physically to be sharp. The people that surround you is going to really mold you. So I've been blessed to have that and in a very, very strong and my foundation is solid as it, you know, as, as it could be. So I've been blessed with that. And I bet your wife pushed you quite hard at times. Well, no, no, I wouldn't okay. say that. My wife was um, extremely supportive and, you know, she saw that I was motivated, which motivated her. You yeah. know, I didn't sit back in and, and say, oh, what was me? What was me? And no, I said, okay, we're going to do this, you know, nice. and I'm going to work. And I worked every day. I learned how to walk. Again. I learned how to run again. I learned how to jump again. And, you know, it's funny what you can do when you, when you, when you, when you, you change your mindset and less than, you know, a year later, I was in the NBA. Wow. So you, you were diagnosed and uh, how long did you take off of basketball? About three months. 
about two, three months, just trying to regain strength, regain coordination. Um, two and a half, three months, I would say, wow. on the construction. So I felt that I can go back in and, and be a resemblance of myself where, you know, because one, you have to feel good. Then you have to be able to go out there and not think. So that means you got to get in shape, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so two you have or to three weeks or two or three months, you're a beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now when I'm, if I'm locked in on this um, for two, three months and I'm focusing on that, it was a process. It's hard. It's not easy. I went through every emotion possible, every emotion possible. And I, you have to embrace that. If you and want did to your to did your old team take you back? No, nobody wanted me. Nobody wanted. Me. I got all my. It was I was my call. My phone was dead, dead to the world. No calls, no nothing. Nobody wanted to take it on. Um, <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to get an invite to San Antonio Spurs mini camp uh, late summer, right after they lost to. Yeah, it was it was after they lost to the Miami Heat when Ray Allen hit that shot, and. Uh, I got invited to a mini camp and all their players were there maybe two, three weeks right after the season was over. You know, it was crazy. And they invited us again out in August and I got invited in August. I think it was August. And um, I uh, got invited and I knew this was going to be my one opportunity, you know, to, to, to make a lasting impression to see, okay, can he, can he play or not? And I went down there and I played the best basketball I played in a long time. <laughs> One, because I felt free. I felt, you know, my mind was clear. I was prepared. And I had something to prove, you know. And to the point where I remember Greg Popovich, I'll never forget this day, Greg Popovich walked all the way across the gym straight to me and said, yo, you're a hell of a basketball player. He said, I know your story, but more so than your story, you're a hell of a basketball player. And he walked off. I said, thank you. And and after I was with Tim Duncan, it was Manny Ginobili and all these, you know, all the players were there. Kawhi Leonard. And um, literally when I left the camp, the next day I had 13 training camp offers. Wow. Nice. So, you know, and do you realize at the time, because I'm going to call you this, you're an ambassador, right? You're, you're someone who went out and said, yes, we can do this, even though we have MS. And, and now other people may have the same illness. And they'll actually have a different, you know, mindset when it comes to how people look at them yeah. because of what you did. You went out there and showed I can still play ball even though I have this, you know, illness that I've been diagnosed with. Did you know, like, I guess the gravity of what you, you know, opened doors for for others with MS? No, I didn't. I'm just trying to. Sh- I was actually trying to. I'm competing with myself. <laughs> yeah. I want to see how far I can push this limit. You know, I'm a I'm an elite athlete. I'm a competitor. You know, I'm a competitor, and that's never going to leave. And so, when I was faced with a challenge, I just really wanted to dive in on it and 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 do something my own. I, I've never been afraid to kind of step out the box, or never been able afraid to you know create my own lane. That's what I do. I'm and I, I'm comfortable in that. So for me, I just looked at it as a sense. That, okay. You got a you got a golden opportunity. I never looked at. I always speak from a a, a place of strength. We got to speak from a place of strength rather than a place of negativity because that that translates, you know. So for me, I spoke from. I said, "Oh, this is gonna be my superpower." I said it from the beginning, and um, I don't know. I didn't know if people were gonna catch on or whatever. I didn't really care. I just said it was gonna be my super. I was doing it for me. I didn't do it for nobody else. I have children. I have a wife. I have a family. I have my own universe <laughs> that I that I'm trying to lead in the right direction. So that was the most important thing for me. I want you to take us back to that NBA moment when you became the first basketball player with MS to play for the NBA. Just take us back. You know, a day in the life of Chris Wright on that day um, on the court. 
when I when I got in, it, it just it felt like a culmination of a lot of things. It was it was really emotional. <laughs> One because my parents weren't there, my wife wasn't there, you know. So I was like, dang, I wish I could experience this with them, my brother, you know. But also, um, it just you know it it it, it proved what I already knew that I was able to get there. And um, it's, it just feels good when you can validate something, you know. So I just felt good that I was able to do that despite all odds. And I was able to uh, represent myself and my family in a positive way. So it was it was great, man. It was great. I I, I just lived in the gym. <laughs> That's all I did. <laughs> That's all I did. So tell us what you're doing now. Right now, what I'm doing now, I, I'm, I've been playing for 12 years now. This is my this will be my 13th year. I'm, I'm contemplating if I want to go back or not. Um, but at the same time, I'm working with Wizards Radio um, and been able to kind of just sit in and get in where I fit in with. I've been fortunate enough to have a great friend and comrade in Dave Johnson that's kind of been been a mentor and, and an enlightener uh, in a lot of sense. To Previous just, guest on this podcast. Yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> and um, so if I'm following up him, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. And, <laughs> you know, so he's been someone that's just been trying to help me and, and guide me through this. So. I've been doing that. Uh, I also work with the Early Childhood Development Center, a nonprofit uh, organization in uh, D.C. and uh, Southeast D.C. called Bright Beginners Incorporated. Um, and I provide and you chase your kids around every day. I love kids. <laughs> I love kids. How old are they? Tell us about them. They're babies. They they go from two to three to fourteen. They go up to five years old. Go up to kindergarten. So oh it's babies, God. you know. So I'm doing all That's type of physical. And physical activities, physical education, coordination stuff, and then also just trying to bring some uh, exposure to the company because they have a lot of resources that can help a lot of young families. Um, so I've been able to do that as well as coaching at my high school, um, St. John's College High School. I'm assistant coaching the team. So as well as helping out with my son's AU program, my daughter's stuff. So I got a lot of, you know, I'm, I, I've been kind of spreading around just trying to see how I can have an impact in, in while I'm transitioning. Nice. And I want to go ahead. I want to mention too, you know, what brings you here with us today is Express for MS. You've decided right. to share your story there. Talk a bit about your decision to do so. Yeah, I mean, I encourage all people to share their own stories. I've always, you know, I've always felt that way. And Express for MS and myself have aligned with that thinking. And um, you know, I think we can strengthen, we can encourage, and you know, by sharing our information. I stated this before. I think, and I think Express for MS does a great job of giving you resources, giving you opportunity to express um, how you feel and how you deal with your situations. It can be very therapeutic in a lot of ways um, for the simple fact that you. It's hard to come across a community that can mimic um, what you have and can have some sympathy for it especially with MS, because it's, it's still relatively new to a lot of people. Um, so, you know, Express for MS does a great job of trying to bridge that gap between uh, just the unfamiliarity, other stories, and just having a, a, a neighborhood and a community that can support and then uplift you and try to keep you in a positive mind frame. So there's a couple of questions that we ask all our MS guests or guests who have MS. Uh, first one is, uh, what would you, what advice or what, uh, is there anything you would like to say to other people with MS out there? Yeah. One is we all have, we have to continue to move forward. And this is an advice I would give anybody with MS. I think this is advice for in general. Um, I think that 
we have to understand that everyone is faced with obstacles in life. <laughs> it could be MS, it could be relationship, it could be some other health, it can be physically, mental, everyone's faced with. How you manage, how you understand your situation, how you have knowledge of whatever it is that you're going through, that is what's going to inspire others to live in a positive way. So I, I firmly believe that my advice would be to own what it is, whatever it is that you have. Hopefully you can find a great support system. Hopefully you can find a great doctor and, and live in it, walk in it, make it your culture, make it your identity, you know, be a part of it. Like I tell my son, like, if you want to know, understand science, you got to understand these, you know, give me some experience, draw it up from your own perspective, you know, draw it up from your own perspective to make it make sense in your world. And then you will be able to inspire and uplift others. So for me, embrace whatever it is that your situation, you know what I mean? And, and, and go with it and don't be afraid to, to be that person that says, yeah, I got this. And yeah, I'm stepping in the right way with it too. I'm going to ask usually Nick's question, but I'll steal it from you. Yep. You know, he's a family member of someone with MS and the importance of, you were talking about your wife, your kids. And, and, you know, actually I should ask you this too. They go on the road with you. So you always have them with you, right? Yeah. My family has traveled. My son is 10 years old. He's, I mean, since we've been together, um, since we've been able to travel, he was with me in the G league when I was in the NBA. And then, you know, since then they've been traveling with me ever since. I have three kids and my my wife. We go everywhere together. Wow! Talk yeah. about the importance of family and, and what they've meant to you in this process, and any advice you have to family uh, members helping someone through this diagnosis and just getting through really those couple of years, those first couple of years to really understand uh, it. Yeah, people, family members of someone that has MS. Only thing I can say is just have patience. You must have patience with, you know, because there's many different mood swings. There's many different things that people are going through when they're transitioning, when they first find out. So be be patient and open minded that, you know, it might not be the same, you know, kind of behavior at all times because they're going through a different thing. And uh, just be patient and supportive. That's what I would say to people that are supporting those. Um, and in terms of what was the other question? Oh, just I think you answered it essentially, you uh, know, what you would tell family members you know, about oh, yeah. you know, when it comes to, I guess, dealing with us, right? Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. who have different emotions. And I think, you know, it's, that's the thing too, right? You're dealing, everybody's different. I think you got to draw it up in your own. You got to make it, make it make sense to you. So if you really want to help somebody, support somebody, then you got to draw it up in your own playbook, meaning that you got to do the research and understand what it is. If you really want to be supportive and you really want to, you know, try to find a way to help someone be living a positive life with this. And I think as family members, then do your own research, do your own homework, understand what this person is going through and see how you can fit into the situation. It's like a job, man. If you got a job or something, you got to, you got to play your role, play your position. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean you got to be the man, <laughs> but it does mean if the paper runs out, I need you to go get this paper <laughs> so we can <laughs> for the printer, you know? So everyone has to play their role and play the position in order for it to make sense. And so that's how I, I kind of look at it when it comes to family members. So we try to leave our, uh, our guests or the people listening with hope. So what, uh, what reasons would you say are good reasons for people with MS to be hopeful right now? Hope is a, is a dangerous word because then you kind of leave it up to mystery. I would say that the facts of everything is that we have a lot of different medications out. We have a lot of resources. So there is a way to live with MS and live in a positive manner. So to hope and wish that it can be done. No, no, no. It's you only hope and wish, you know, on your birthdays and stuff like that. You hope and wish 
I mean, you you have to know and own it. You know, I, it's only one person that's governing your life, and that's you. You know, and I think that that's important to understand that the, the words that we say and the things that we put out there have a hundred percent influence on us. So instead of saying hope, oh, you know, we got to say something that's more positive that will that will you know dictate and correlate our next steps. Um, so for me, I, you know, I, I just think that if we start talking from a, use it, using our vocabulary from a place of strength rather than a place of negativity, I think that helps. If you were to give us a couple positives from getting MS, uh, what, what would those be for you? Maybe it's how you've lived your life, your your approach to different things. What, what are some of the things that I guess, lack of a better term, you're thankful for MS showing you the way on? It gave me a unique personalized identity. <laughs> we all are unique in our own right, but this totally put me in a different stratosphere and totally put me in a different universe when it comes to things that have been done in history. So it be, it made me feel, and not for anybody else, it just made me feel that I'm forever part of history, that I'm the first with something that said they couldn't be, couldn't be done. I'm the first one that did it, you know? So shit, I put myself up there with Sir Isaac Newton and all them. Nice. No, well, I got to say, since this is a WTOP-based podcast, DC's still home to you, and you still got a lot of love around here. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm th- You see, I don't know if you can see, I'm a joy shout. Nice. You know, I'm, Ahoy, I, I'm, St. John's College. Yeah, St. John's I, College High School. I've, I've been a, grew up a Washington Bullets, Washington Wizards. I'm the Redskins, Commanders. I don't like the commander's name, but I'm a I'm a Washington Commanders fan. I'm That's a, a whole other podcast. <laughs> Capitals, Nationals. Yes, I'm a Washingtonian, Marylander through and through. Um, and this is home base, and this is where I'm. This this will forever be home. All right, nice. my friend. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Mastering MS podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Was it. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Another great episode, Nick. He was awesome. He was. I mean, all those doctors telling him you can't do it. What did he do? You did it. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And our website has a lot of information, Nick. Mastering.ms. That's right. And join us again for the next episode of Mastering MS. I'm Mike Marillo. And I'm Nick Irons. And this has been, well, Mastering MS.